1: Welcome back to the short shift podcast hosted by keepin carlson i'm your host ben burnett joining me as always lewis ezekiel and lewis it's a sad day today it's the first episode after the inaugural battle of the buds and i guess it's only sad for one of us because i must admit defeat my hat off to you my friend you you bested me in cu- the couple tier one Well, I
0: appreciate it. Uh, All the credit, obviously, goes to last day, fantastic performances by JVR and uh, Jordan Stahl. I think I said in our chat that the only way I was going to be able to pull it off with your game advantage was if JVR went ham on Vitek Vanacek uh, in that noon game, and it all came to pass. Uh, you've been very gracious. Listening to the play-by-play on the stat attack from John Newhold like had my heart going. I was like reliving the whole ups and the ups and downs of the whole experience. I, I enjoyed it, and I'm glad I came out with a win. But it was very stressful, and I am much happier now that we can you know talk openly about our fantasy teams here in the
1: aftermath. I mean talk openly that whatever you say I'm I'm still keeping my cards close to the vest now that I'm especially now that I'm a game behind you even though Lewis I'm beating you in points for so you know, small victory, really, for you. It's it's uh, that, That's the more meaningful one, in my opinion. And we're going to move on into the headline section, <laughs> uh, because I have that power to, uh, to just transition into a conversation I enjoy much more. Although, Lewis, you're going to start us off with a headline tonight.
0: Yeah, so we'll start where we started for our last several shows, and we'll try and move through it as quick as we can here. But um, the Flyers game t- uh, here on Tuesday night against Washington was postponed. Uh, And we'll have to keep an eye on how things develop moving forward. This obviously is terrible for JVR, who is one of the hottest sticks in the game. Hopefully he does not lose his step or his spot in the lineup uh, during this break. I think most of these top level guys you got to hold on to, including I know you've got connecting you're going to hang on to him here. A more interesting case maybe would be Joel Farabee, six goals and 12 points through 13 games. Uh, A lot of kind of empty games in there, you know, some empty calories and then some really heavy hitting three-point games, a three-goal game, a three-assist game. He's on a 38-goal 76-point
1: pace. Has he been too good to drop, in your opinion, during this off time? Well, it's interesting. You said the thing about uh, Van Riemsdyk's deployment being good and how you hope he doesn't lose it but like honestly he's doing it without great deployment and so is Joel Faraby unless you assume that these two are kind of the unheralded superstars in Philadelphia which I don't think either of us would argue they are um I think you know it depends on the size of your league like in a 10 or 12 team league I think that you're probably streaming out Joel Faraby but in a 14 team league it's uh it's pretty tough to stream him out 12 points in 13 games is Nothing to sneeze at. I'd probably be holding on if I had him in a deeper league.
0: Yeah, no, I'm with you. I think that Farabee, you know, as long as that line is hot and clicking, unless I'm in a desperation situation, I'm not anxious to to ditch Joel Faraby. Um, But of course, if it comes down to it, and it's the difference between winning or losing a week. We don't get that many weeks this season. So, uh, you know, just evaluate your own team as needed. He's he's a, a tweener for me. He could go. He could stay. I'd like to keep him if I can. But if I'm trying to make sure that I'm getting a victory, I'm willing to let him go.
1: Well, and we've talked a lot about waiting until you have more information to make decisions this season with all the cancellations, but even that advice is starting to prove a little difficult to follow. I dropped Christian Dvorak to get in an extra stream, hoping to beat you in Battle of the Buds. Still proved futile. Then he played a game on Monday night, and then they rescheduled another game for Arizona. I thought I was dropping him, and I I wasn't going to get him for six nights, so why bother keeping him? And uh, here he is back playing again on Friday. I think I'll handle that one over. Okay, but man, there's trying to game the schedule is harder than it's ever been this year.
0: Yeah, you're absolutely right. I speak for myself. I streamed in Brian Elliott to get his start uh, in the game against Washington tonight, only to find that it was canceled. It seems like whoever I pick up for streamers is just running into the brick wall of of postponements here. So uh, I'm very sympathetic to your
1: plight. Well, let's talk about more players running into brick walls, and we're going to hop over to Columbus, another uh, city that we've talked about quite a bit the last few weeks. Of course, the Patrick Line benching of Monday evening that shook the hockey world. That that honeymoon between Line and Torts did not seem to last. Very long. About as long as anyone would have predicted, I guess. Uh, so Line was sat on the uh, the back half of Monday's game. Twitter sleuths were pretty sure it was because he missed up an assignment on a goal. But reports Tuesday night say that Line was actually benched for cussing out an assistant coach. Uh, this comes after he scored three goals in his first three games. He did not score one uh, last night. He's been playing 18 minutes or more prior to that, though. There's no way to know, though, where the Columbus merry-go-round is really going to wind up next. So I think you're kind of stuck holding Line A, and I'm optimistic still. I think that talent-wise, he's obviously producing. I would consider buying if you could buy super low on somebody who's crazy jittery about him, but only if you're able to buy low. Meanwhile, though... Jack Roslovic, you know, trade throw-in is now turning into Tortorella's favorite toy. He's been line one, power play one, playing with line A prior to the benching in the last game, and he has seven points in his first seven games as a Blue Jacket, including that highlight reel goal Monday night when the game winner, he's hitting a little bit, but one thing I don't like about Roslovic, he's not really shooting much, he's got 10 shots through seven games. He's not going to keep up this point-per-game pace, but I do like that power play usage and the uptick in minutes the last couple games. So I think he's a must-own in deeper leagues, and I'm definitely watch listing or streaming on heavy schedule weeks. That's kind of where I'm at with the Columbus boys right now. Yeah, I think it makes a lot of sense. You know,
0: Roslevic, as long as he's going to be this hot and get the nice deployment, you know, yes, we're not getting the shots that we're hoping to see. But yeah, as long as he's pulling down those points, I think you got to hold on to him. Uh, and, you know, for Line a and Torts, I think they're both sort of feeling each other out. I hope that things will calm down as they both sort of uh, get used to each other a little bit. But you never know. Uh, Torts is the kind that can seem to hold a grudge sometimes. So we'll have to see how this plays out. But my hope is they're just kind of nipping at each other as they are getting used to, to functioning in the same environment as one another.
1: Well, Lewis, why don't you tell us about the other half of that trade in Winnipeg?
0: Yeah, absolutely. We're finally going to get to see... Uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois debut in Winnipeg here. Uh, Not exactly the breakdown that we wanted to see. You know, we're very used to seeing this two heavy top lines for Winnipeg, but they've shuffled things around a little bit. We're looking at a line with Kopp and Shifley and Ehlers, and Statsny, Wheeler, and connor pld and trevor lewis uh, so it'll be very interesting to see how that works out i think a lot of people also were hoping to see pld replace stastny potentially on that top power play but right now it looks like he's holding its spot it'll be wheeler stastny shifley morrissey and connor as per usual and then pld Ealers, cop perot and pionk on that second line you know some real firepower certainly on that second power play they're just not going to get the minutes as brian and elon mentioned on sunday
1: yeah, I really like this for uh, for Andrew Cobb still, though he hasn't been quite as hot as he was when we were speaking about him uh, recently on shows. But otherwise, it's kind of a bummer for, like, Shifley. Definitely not into this for, for Blake Wheeler, who's been struggling at even strength. And I, I don't like that. I don't like that split for him. But... Uh, I, you know, we'll see how these lines go tonight and I would imagine that there's a short leash considering it's not like anything is probably set in stone here. So keep an eye on game day lines on Twitter and follow us at short shifts KK and we'll keep you up to date on this one.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And after a quick break here, we'll be back with some hot and
1: cold streaks. The economy is made up of real people doing real stuff and it affects everything, which you obviously know since you're a real person doing real stuff. Welcome back to the short shifts podcast, Lewis, we are going to talk about hot and cold streaks and you are going to walk us through a couple of these. Who's been hot? Who's been cold? Give us the juice here.
0: So I got a couple guys here who are playing almost identically. It'll be really interesting to decide which one you might prefer over the other. So we'll talk about Anthony Sorelli and Nick Schmaltz here. sorelli has got three goals and three assists in his last five games for six total points. Only 10 shots, which makes me a little leery. Still getting power play two minutes, so down in kind of the 30% power play time on ice range. And his ice time is actually down a little bit overall from last year. It's hard to dislike guys on Tampa Bay, um, but it does seem like a bit of an unsustainable streak. Tampa Bay plays Thursday Saturday this week so make sure that you can fit him in in the lineup uh, before you go out and potentially add him right kind of on the same line uh not the same line but on the same pace uh, as we've seen from Sorelli is another guy with six points in five games and nine shots instead of ten and that's Nick Schmaltz um I don't know. I'm starting to think I like him maybe playing with Connor Garland and Clayton Keller and getting about 50% of the power play time just a hair more than I like Sorelli playing with Johnson and Cullorn, uh with that limited power play time on ice between the two guys Nick Schmaltz and Sorelli uh, with with pretty identical profiles in the last few games.
1: Uh, who would you rather stream in? Oh, it's Schmaltz for me, and it's, it's the exact reason you said, playing between Garland and Keller. Brian and Elon talked about Garland the other night, and I'm I'm totally on board. I think that he is having his breakout season. If you picked him up in your leagues, you're going to be happy, and and I'd be holding as long as I can. Um, Nick Schmaltz looks really good, and he's in that spot that that's the reason why I picked Christian Dvorak up, because he was, he was centering Keller and Garland. Now Schmaltz is in that spot at even strength. They're both obviously on the power play, but I wish that I had Schmaltz right now. I'd, I'd, I'd prefer him to Christian Dvorak, even though Dvorak's been even hotter.
0: And remember, too, this might have looked like not such a great pickup for this week, but they did get that game added back against mm-hmm. St. Louis. So they're going to play uh, a couple times here later in the week uh, when it seemed like we weren't going to see any of the Coyotes again until Saturday. So again, check and see if you can fit him in the lineup. Um, but I, I think I'm with you. I like, uh, you know, as I said before, I think I like Nick Schmaltz between the two.
1: All right. Who else you got for us this week?
0: All right, well, how about somebody that you added towards the end of our Battle of the Buds Tier 1 Cookupful matchup, and who really uh, scared me quite a bit, uh, who's Cody Glass. Uh, Four points in the last five games, so not quite as on fire as the other two, but he's been getting over 50% of power play time on ice in three of those last five games. He hasn't dipped below 45% in any of them. Looking at cookupful.com and looking at the delta between cook-up full ownership and... Yahoo ownership. I think we tend to see Kakupful being ahead of the curve. And yes, more players are rostered because it is a deeper league than a lot of these leagues. But you know, there is an 86% delta between Kukupful rosters and Yahoo rosters. So 91% owned in Kakupful and 5% in Yahoo. I think he should be owned in more leagues. I think people should be running
1: out to grab Cody Glass here. I mean, I'm into him and I'm happy to hear you say that because obviously I've got him on my Kukupful team now and I hope he stays hot, but I'd really like to see him pick up above 13 minutes a game that's a that's a tough one obviously when you're getting two plus minutes a night on that vegas top power play unit that makes up for 13 minutes uh atoi but uh yeah no i he's somebody who he's on my he's on my radar in in shallower leagues and if i need a stream i think that you could do a lot worse
0: yeah i definitely have him a slot below sorelli and schmaltz but certainly wanted to bring him up since he's on a bit of a streak here
1: for us Ooh, i think i yeah, I don't know. That's a tough one between Sorelli and Glass. I guess I'd go Sorelli just because he's been better long term, whereas I could see Glass coming down, but definitely Nick Schmaltz of the three.
0: If uh, Glass loses that power play deployment that he's been getting, I think he certainly dips below where we see Sorelli.
1: Oh, I mean, 13 minutes and off the top unit is not rosterable. No good. Yeah, I'm with you. A um,
0: bit of a cold streak here. Let's talk about... Uh, Tevo Teravainen. he's had zero points in four games since returning from a COVID protocol absence and was pointless in another two games before that, so bringing him to zero points in the last six. Uh, I took a look at him because there was somebody asking a question about an interesting trade involving him. Right now, obviously a very small sample size, uh, but he's had unsustainably low on-ice shooting percentage as well as IPP. Uh, Shooting, right? You know, while he's on the ice, his team is shooting around five percent, five and a half percent. Uh, he's only been in on one of the three even strength goals that's been scored while he's on the ice. This is all 5v5. He's got about five expected goals for and only three actual goals for at 5-on-5, five five, so you know we, we could expect to see an uptick there. I think he's going to start regressing to the mean here before long. Personally, as a uh, Jordan Stahl owner, I'm loving him seating his power play one spot uh, to stall for now. I don't think that'll last once Terrifying gets back on the right track. I think that they would prefer to see him on that top unit uh, so just keep your eyes peeled this might be a good time to go after Taravien um, if his owners are getting frustrated with him because the numbers do seem to indicate that we're gonna see him uh, get back to getting on the scoreboard here uh, probably sooner rather than later I would say uh, if I'm if I'm panic metering here on on Tavo, I would be maybe a two on my panic meter how about you
1: yeah I was gonna say three but I think that that makes sense uh, you know he talked about it when he came back from covid that he didn't feel right right away he didn't feel like he had the game that he was paced he didn't feel like he was meeting the flow of the game uh, i guess if i were to say that like a normal person uh and so yeah i think that that's pretty normal given what we've learned about this virus is that it kind of messes you up in a lot of ways it can mess with your conditioning and so i would expect that tevo gets his gets his shit together here and uh and does fine. All right, Lewis, we're going to hop into the line combo section of the podcast. I'm going to burn through a couple of line changes and talk about a couple power plays. And then I'm going to talk about a couple goaltending deployment situations that I find interesting. First, in St. Louis, we've seen a power play shakeup for the Blues. On the top unit, we are seeing Sunquist, O'Reilly, Perron, Hoffman, and Falk. And then on the second unit, Schwartz, Shen, Kairou, Krug, and Dunn. They're actually being listed in reverse order, but the second unit is seeing most of the power play time. Given that O'Reilly and Piranha are on there, I kind of think of those as the de facto number one fellas anyway. It is nice to see Kairou and Vince Dunn get some opportunity. I think that they have, well, Kairu obviously is you know, the waiver wire uh, player of last week, so he's probably rostered in most leagues still. But Dunn, it's nice to see getting a little bit of run here and as they try and juice his trade value. I am starting to believe in Justin Falk. You know, the peripherals are really back for the first time in a while, and the team's been really good when he's on the ice. His pairing with uh, Torrey Krug looks quite good, so I think he's going to be rosterable all year in 12- and 14-team leagues. I think the main thing here is Hoffman might finally get that opportunity to turn the corner playing with O'Reilly on the uh, top power play. Uh, I wouldn't buy low though because who knows obviously they're not married to him playing there so he could be shuffled off but I don't mind adding him back in leagues where he's been dropped to free agency it just kind of depends if you want to ask us uh if if Mike Hoffman stands out on your waiver wire shoot us a shoot us a tweet at shortshiftskk um and then the second power play shakeup that I like to see is uh in Boston, where they're going to go five forwards on the power play as of their most recent practice, Pasternak, Bergeron, Marchand, Nick Ritchie, almost said Brett again, and David Krejci. Uh, sucks for me as a Matt Grizzlik owner who is so excited to see him come off the IR+, Plus, but I'm also, as a hockey fan, just really interested to see what a five forward power play does if they actually get a chance to run it that way. And if I'm a Nick Ritchie owner, oh my God, I feel like I just hit the lottery because the man is not getting taken off of that unit. And if you picked him up in deeper leagues, you are loving life right now. So those are kind of my two, uh, the two power play shakeups I was looking at. Anything you wanted to add, Lewis?
0: Well, just a couple things that I think are interesting. One is that they kept that Shen Schwartz-Kyru line together with a couple defensemen to serve as that one end of the Blues power play building a little bit off of the chemistry that that group has had as far as the five forwards go a like you said love it as a hockey fan uh, would love to see more teams try this out not a lot of teams have the opportunity to be able to put out some pretty skilled defensive players like Bergeron and Krejci so you can kind of get away with maybe not having a defenseman out there especially if they are you know the type of offense only uh defensemen that we see in a lot of these power play situations i'd love to see how it turns out i hope they are very successful i don't have any shares of these players so i worry about it a little bit uh, i'm going up against pasta and and bergeron next week i think so a little bit a uh, little bit nervous but i would be regardless of the situation so i think i hope the uh, the five player power play or the five forward power play is successful and we see some more teams take it on
1: We'll start in Dallas, where Jake Ettinger is starting his third game out of four, while uh, sleepy Anton Kudobin gets benched for a second straight game here. With tonight's game, we are seeing uh, Ettinger—so Ettinger so far has been okay, two wins and a 9-15 save percentage through his three starts— 33 saves out of 35 in the last game against Chicago. I have to think that that's why he's getting the start again here, that most recent game. And considering it's just based off one strong game, I'm not ready to get overly excited about Jake Ettinger. But if you're a Kudobin owner, Lewis, are you getting nervous?
0: Ultimately, like we know this is the result of Kudobin missing some practice time because he was not sharp on the alarm. Uh, I think eventually we're going to see him crawl back out of the doghouse for that. I don't think it's going to take much more than a bad outing from Ettinger or Kudobin getting in for a game maybe on a back-to-back and performing nicely and you know having this chance to get back in. So I am a little worried about it. I think it hurts in the short term. But as far as it being a long term impact, I think Kudobin's going to be able to work his way back into the good graces here. You know, uh, we were talking about this earlier, and we mentioned you know eventually we're going to have Ben Bishop back in the mix here, and in all likelihood, Ettinger's going to be back down. So I'm not looking this as at this as a super long term pickup. I did grab him in one of my leagues because I need some goalie help. Hopefully, he has. You know, he certainly is capable of putting together some nice outings here. You know, taking advantage of Kudobin's uh, mistake. But again, it's not for anything that was on the ice. And I think ultimately we'll see Kudobin, uh take back over, you know, probably to at least a 60-40, at least in my opinion.
1: I mean, I hear you on the Edinger stuff. I'm not getting my hopes up too high. And I'm definitely only adding him if I need some goaltending help. And there are leagues where I definitely need some goaltending help. So he might get a spot start here or there. But I don't really see why uh, or a reason to believe that Anton Hudobin will necessarily win, like you know, take back the spot, take back the starting job with authority. He's never really done it before. The most games he's ever played in a season, forty-one. He did have a great save percentage that year, and followed it up with a nine thirty in thirty games played last year. So obviously, he has turned the career around a little bit more, or been more consistent in Dallas, but. I don't know. It wouldn't shock me whatsoever to see him struggle until Ben Bishop comes back.
0: Yeah, well, and I, like I said, I think Edinger, at least in the short term, I think is a very appealing ad. You know, obviously Dallas plays a pretty tight defensive game. They're capable of scoring, especially when their power play gets out there. So I'm not trying to shy you away from picking him up in the long term. Just stay sharp. Pay attention to when that uh, tide starts to shift the other direction.
1: Well, to me, it's like I guess I'm not even talking so much about Edinger. I'm just talking about Hudobin where it's like, yeah, I have no issue with riding with Edinger right now as long as he's playing. It's more so that like if I'm a Hudobin owner, I'm a little bit nervous because I probably drafted him a little bit earlier than i then I would want my goaltender to be you know, starting to lose spots to or starting to lose starts to a backup or to a rookie. Um, but let's go over to LA next where Cal Peterson is also getting the third start in four games. Not only that, it's his fourth straight appearance after he spelled quick following a rough start in Vegas. Peterson's been great at 925 over 6 games though he has just one win. So we just talked about Ettinger in LA or Ettinger in Dallas. How do you feel about Cal Peterson in relation? Are you more interested in Peterson?
0: So I think that Peterson is more likely, possibly here to take over, um, playing a, a longer set of games. Um, you know, like I said, th- unlike the the Ettinger situation, this is someone who is beating out his rival through his play. Six games at a nine twenty five. That's a pretty good. That's a pretty good streak there. If you are in a league that puts a lot of emphasis on wins, like our fantasy hockey trades league. I think he's a little bit less appealing because he's not going to be able to put together as many. You know, there's just not as much run support for him as you're going to see Ettinger get in Dallas. Um, but if you're in a league that counts saves, if you're in a league that is counting some of those rates, uh, I do like Peterson better, I think.
1: I think. Mm, I don't know that I agree with you. I think I prefer Ettinger short term and Peterson longer term. Like if you're going to be desperate for starts in April, then I don't, I would rather have Peterson. But in the short term, in pretty much any league, I think I'd just rather have Ettinger because I think he can be fine in rate stats and he's more likely to get me a win despite the fact that Cal Peterson probably will have a better save percentage, but I could see his GAA being a big problem and I don't see him getting me a ton of wins. So yeah, it's, for me, it's more about like where you foresee an issue in your roster. If you're going to need some starts in the short term, give me Jake Ettinger. But if you're, if you're somebody who's going to need some starts down the road, I'll, I'll go Peterson because I think I agree with you that he's more likely to win out the, win out the starter's job. All right, Lewis, that's all we have time for today. For myself, Ben Burnett, I'm signing out of here. Lewis, why don't you take us home?
0: All right, will do. Thanks, everybody, for joining us. Be sure to give us a follow on Twitter at ShortShiftsKK, as well as Brian and Elon at Keeping Carlson and Dave Betten of Scre- Stream Scheme at NHL Stream Scheme. Please visit the great sites that we research our episodes with at Yahoo, Frozen Tools, Roto World, Natural Stat Chick, and Cacupful.com, which is just awesome. Our intro and outro music was created by Pat Roach. And until we see you next time, play smart and keep your shifts short. Come sure.